from the heart of Dubai, where tomorrow is being built today to the world. Welcome to the CTO Show with Mehmet. Here, we redefine technology and reimagine possibilities. With Mehmet, delve into the riveting realms of AI, cybersecurity, and digital technology. Experience the thrilling highs and lows of startups. Immerse yourself in the spirit of entrepreneurship and witness the future of business innovation being written in real time. Now, without further ado, let's tune in and explore the future. Hello and welcome to a new episode of the CTO Show with Mehmet. My name is Mehmet and as you know, in this episode, I cover different topics from emerging technologies, startups, entrepreneurships, and I host with me CEOs, subject matter experts, entrepreneurs, and startup founders. And today I'm very pleased to have with me today, Jay. Jay, uh, you are the CEO of JDAQA, which Hello. is a software testing company. I would leave the floor to you to introduce yourself and your company and what you are up to. Yes, the floor sir. is yours. Uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, so we do software testing. My background uh, over the last 15, 20 years has been primarily in the quality assurance space. All we do is manual, automated performance and security testing for uh, custom software development companies, for SaaS companies, and uh, website agencies. So um, we've got three teams. We've got a U.S.-based team, uh, an offshore team in the Philippines, and a nearshore team uh, co-located in Mexico. And we've got around 60 people right now. Um, and uh, we just we kind of are the QA solution for our clients most of the time so that's that's pretty much what we got going on oh that's great great to hear jay now the first question i want to ask you like uh, did, did you start entrepreneurship at an early age like what drove you towards this path uh i ask the same question a lot on my show uh, and i <laughs> it's it's a very good question um yes my my mother was and still is an entrepreneur businesses that I got to kind of see how that worked growing up. Um, she ran an advertising agency and I started doing websites for her clients. When I was probably 13, 12 or 13 years old, um, you know, making decent money for a 12 or 13 year old doing, doing websites. Nice. Um, did, you know, uh, some little side businesses here and there, and then kind of went in the nine to five world for, for quite a while, but, um, you know, built this, this business as a side hustle to start and, uh, you know, kind of grew it into an international testing powerhouse, as I like to say, uh, over the years. So yeah, it did start early, um, took a little bit of a break, but then got back to it. That's cool. I, I was not lucky to do this jump from nine to five. Honestly, I, I did it very recently, but uh, you've made the leap, you know, uh, from the nine to five to consulting and then running your own business. Um, what was the most motivated uh, aspect of this change? This is first. And at the same time, what were the challenges that you faced when you did this leap? Um, I will say, uh, as anybody that knows me, I'm pretty straightforward money, right? I mean, all mm -hmm. uh, money is time and time is money. Uh, so having the ability to um, support a family, I have five kids, I have a lovely wife who's a nurse and she was an overnight nurse. And my main motivation was to get her out of that job at the time uh, so she could kind of, you know, stay home with the kids and, and not have to work some a job that she didn't really, it was, it was draining on her and I could tell. Um, the biggest challenges, um, I, I, honestly, I tried to de-risk it from the start. 
I always suggest the same thing with everybody else. Uh, consult, consult, consult. I mean, that's the way to start is to do uh, consulting where, you know, you're, you're doing something in your spare time or after hours or you can fit it in, you know, in your lunch break or whatever it is. Like try to do consulting, uh, use the experience that you have in whatever industry that is to kind of set the foundation for your business. Um, and that really de-risked the entire operation for me. Um, I kind of built it up over time and it just, the, the the main challenges were kind of fitting it in the day to day. I mean, I was working multiple jobs kind of at the same time at some point where you know, I do my nine to five stuff during my breaks and run out stairwell and take a call for one client. And at the end of the day, I'd hop on, you know, stand up and do stuff for other clients in different time zones. So uh, it's a grind to start. Um, so managing that, managing a family, um, you know, certainly were some of the challenges. The, just the entrepreneurial business side of things. I didn't have an MBA and I still don't. Mm -hmm. So figuring out how to run a business you know, certainly was a challenge. Uh, I used Upwork, which also helped de-risk the, the process, which was nice. much more of a transactional platform. So it's very easy to start a business and do the things you have to do. Um, but the real pivot came when I quite frankly, when the U Ukraine war happened, I noticed that they cut off the entire country of Russia, which didn't impact us directly, but it made me kind of think like, oh, maybe I should have another stream of, of uh, business than just coming from Upworks. Mm -hmm. Pivoting out of into the real world. And on Upwork, like I said, it's very transactional. People are like, hey, can you do QA? And I'm like, yes, we can. And then they hand you some money. And that, that's, that's kind of the interaction. When you step out of that world, you have to figure out okay, who's my client. What's my message? Who am I talking to? Kind of figure again how to run a business a little more traditionally than I was doing before. So lots of different challenges depending on which phase of the business you know what we're talking about. So was this the main, uh, I I mean, source for getting the idea of uh, JDAQA? Like you spotted something on Upwork and then you said, okay, I think this deserves to to have its own business. Is this how you get it? Yeah, uh, like I mentioned, when, when, my, when I was turning my wife out of that job, I applied for Uber, did all these different things. I tried to do, I mean, this was years ago. This is probably 10 or 15 years ago. Uh, and I just happened to stumble upon Elance.com, which eventually got bought by Upwork, you know, so now yes. Upwork. Um, yeah. And picked up some contracting jobs, doing consulting, doing QA. And I had a problem saying no to money and uh, tried to figure out how do I keep taking on contracts with the same amount of hours in the day. And the way to do that was to bring in some people that I'd worked with previously. My old boss at one point hired as a consultant to, to do some nice. stuff with me. Um, and one of my you know, oldest tenured employees today, uh, he came from my very first job that I worked in QA where, you know, uh, I asked him, I said, hey, uh, would you be willing to pick up 15 extra 20 hours a week? And he was down for that. And that was kind of the start. That was how it all started is, is starting to hand off that work to somebody else to do. That's, that's great. By the way, for the, for the audience uh, who are not old enough like me, um, uh, so there was Elance and there was Odesk. Uh, and then these two companies decided to merge. Uh, I think like maybe it's now 10 years almost, if I'm not mistaken. Something and like they that, decided, yeah. yeah, so they decided to do the Upwork, which became you know, the main, uh, I would say, source uh, for freelance work. Of course, there are like other, I'm not affiliated, by the way, <laughs> with Upwork, but really it's one of the best. I'm saying this for anyone who's interested to 
go the path that uh, Jay have chosen. Um, they are the platform because there are a couple of others. And also I tried all of them on the both sides, client side and freelance side. And I think Upwork is the most esteemed one I can say. Now, Jay, something I want to ask you, like, of course, and you mentioned something which I like, like you said, I don't have an MBA and I believe you don't need an MBA to start a business, but there are some aspects to grow the business. And the most critical one is to be a sales guy. So how did you tackle that to become a sales guy? For example, for me, like also I was a techie guy. I, I was like introvert. How did you deal with that? Uh, so uh, yeah, it took me a while to, to realize that I am a sales guy. It was a very, I remember sitting somewhere, I was sitting with a client of mine, we went out to dinner, I had, uh, you know, I had my nice clothes on and uh, some lady sitting next to us said, oh, what are you, the, are you the sales guy? And I was like, I'm not the sales guy. Like, I don't, I'm not, I'm not a salesman. Like, that's, that's not what I am or what I do. Um, and uh, it, it took me a long time to, to realize I'm uh, nobody's going to sell your product for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to be comfortable being uncomfortable, which I think is just a general lesson you know, for everything in life. You just have to, you're never going to grow if you're constantly comfortable. Um, but once I kind of realized, you know, what, I am the sales and this is the guy who needs to get out there, um, you know, promote myself, promote the company. Um, I think it was really just a realization one and I don't really exactly remember what the moment was, but one day I did eventually realize that my role in this company is to bring in new business, it's to foster existing business, and it's to uh, protect the resources that I have and make them feel comfortable and support them in the best way that I can. And kind of realizing those three things about what my role actually was, because I mean, I did everything for the longest time. But once I realized what I was really good at, um, you know, it made it easier. It made, I'm, today I'm a sales guy, I'm a biz dev guy, that's all I do. Um, and I just kind of make sure my clients are happy and that my people who work for me are happy um, and, you know, everything's a lot smoother. So I think it's just taking that, that second to realize like, yes, it's scary and people are gonna tell you no, and it's going to be sad and it's going to suck for a while uh, here and there to hear no. But, um, you know, the main message is that nobody's going to sell your product or services for you, um, especially early on. Like you have to, you have to do it. And if you want to grow and you want to be a real business, um, typically the founder, the owner has to kind of pull himself up by the bootstraps and say, it's time to go out and, and bang on some doors and make some calls and do some things to make some sales. So, uh, that was kind of my my transition into realizing what my role was as a salesman for the company. Yeah, I want to add something to what you said, Jay. And maybe I've mentioned this on the show a couple of times, but uh, people, you know, they uh, assume that sales is a bad word, but it's not actually. And I mentioned this because someone taught me this long time back. If you recommend a restaurant, if you recommend a brand, if you are a geeky guy and you, I'm sure you recommend a phone, a laptop, a headset to your friend, you are a sales guy because this is what the sales all about. Like you need, you need to, to tell about what the value that bring to, to the other person. So yeah, like I, I would say I was in the same spot until I figured out uh, 10 years back, oh, actually I can talk 
easily to people. I can convince them about a technology. I'm talking about technology sales here as well. Um, and, and it's it's like, yeah, you just need to go out and try it. Of course, as you said, Jay, first couple of times you might get some rejections, as they say. Yeah, but think about like a date. You don't get uh, <laughs> maybe the first time. So you need to keep trying, keep hustling, and, and you will get there. Now, um, well, I want to ask you, like, you are in the, the software testing uh, business, right? So how do you are seeing, you know, the the trends, I would say, going in, in the industry? I mean, in the testing itself, because now people start also to talk about AI and maybe AI can do this for me, you know, like, what are you seeing in, in from the trends perspective, Jay? It's definitely a company size specific, like enterprise level has been pushing automation and pushing kind of that, that enterprise level, uh, uh, human free thing for a long time because they want to cut costs. They want to reduce drag on the, the manual testing team, all these different things. Uh, I get to say one of my favorite lines, which is, you know, a fully automated test setup or a fully AI driven test setup is big for like everybody thinks they've seen it, but there's just a blurry picture of it off in the woods. Like nobody's, it doesn't exist. Like it's not real. Like there's no, you're always going to need humans somewhere in the process when you're putting software in your customer's hands. That's just the way I run my business. That's the way I have always kind of thought still, do we use chat GBT to augment our services today? Absolutely. Do we use mm -hmm. stuff to help expedite some of the tests? Absolutely. Do we automation? Yes, yes, yes. Um, I don't know that there's been a giant shift um, from a testing perspective because you still need the human touch it has not been replicated by any AI tool I've ever seen yet because, you know, context is so important with AI, right. but it's also super important with testing. That's the whole point of, of what you're doing uh, when you're testing the software is the context. Does it work here for these users and these users based on this data and these different things and these conditions? And yes, I'm sure years down the road, maybe we'll get closer to that. Um, but, you know, the automation tools themselves obviously are getting more and more advanced and they're smarter and that sort of grab different elements on the screen or to do different types of comparison to test different things. Um, you know, we partner with a lot of the kind of leading automation platforms for testing in the industry, which has been great for us because we kind of get to ride along with some of these great companies doing that tech work to stay ahead of the curve. Um, but, you know, virtualized browsers and stuff where um, instead of just kind of standard record and playback, you can uh, an instrumented version of a browser that can emulate any sort of situation. Right? You can, any type of browser type, any type of connection type, any, any, any scenario you want to kind of start the test at, um, those virtualized browser platforms are kind of leading the way, I think, with the next wave of, of what QA is going to be. So whether it's mobile or desktop or whatever it is, um, if you can emulate the, the end user's environment and ecosystem that they're going to actually be using your platform um, and do that at scale, uh, you'll be much better off when your product hits, hits your customer's hands, right? Because you've been able to test in as many different scenarios and, and ecosystems as possible. So very long-winded answer to your question, but hopefully I hit some of your points. No, that's it's completely fine. And, you know, um, I I cannot add anything more because you covered it all, Jay. Now, uh, 
at the beginning, you mentioned like you you work with like uh, I mean different type of clients, but um, are you seeing like any signs of slowdowns when it comes to a specific, I would say, vertical within the software industry? Like we know, like for example, SaaS is very fast; everyone is going that route. Like, how are you seeing, you know, the industry going here? Like, less mobile, more web. What's the status, I would say? Um, I don't know that it's really made any big changes. I think, um, you know, certainly that it comes in waves. You know, everybody wanted to do native mobile apps for the longest time. And then they realized, wait a minute, like, there's a lot of things you can do if you build it a web-based version of an application instead of making it native, right? You can you can have the same version for Android and iOS and all the different platforms if you do a browser-based uh, right. mobile application as opposed to building a native one. Um, I don't know that there's any trends in that sense that, that we've seen. I mean, there's, you know, there's always going to be a push for native apps because it pushes people's brands, right? They want, they want their application on your phone. So we've seen a lot of those. Um, desktop is interesting for us specifically because having a, a physical, you know, software application on your desktop certainly has gone down over time just because of the SaaS model, like you mentioned, like SaaS is king. Um, but having, having the expertise in being able to test those things, um, has gone back up because there's not as many people out there that Mm -hmm. have that skill set to be able to test it. And I will also say that um, from a VR perspective, a lot of applications are desktop applications. They're .exe, you know, uh, things that you run on your desktop to interface with these these uh, VR applications that we test. They're not SaaS. They're not. Mm-hmm. So there is kind of a resurgence in a sense of testing and development when it comes to desktop applications because a lot of the AR, VR stuff is way easier to just drive through your standard kind of executable desktop uh, application as opposed to trying to do it on a mobile app or trying to do uh, via SaaS. So certainly, you know, some ups and downs and it comes in cycles and waves, but um, you know, SaaS is king and, you know, there's a million more of them every day uh, and for good reason. Right? I mean, they're scalable, they're right. deployable, they're, they're accessible. So um, yeah, I think, I think those are kind of the general trends that we see. Yeah, it's not surprising, but the good point on and good observation, I would say, on the desktop part because of the AR, VR stuff. And I think, uh, as you said, like I, I was in discussion with some uh, founders here in Dubai that they are into the you know AR, VR space and they mentioned something similar. So it's good that uh, you also had the same uh, observation. Now, you mentioned at the beginning of our discussion, Jay, a little bit about, you know, you, you had to hire and you know, try to find good people. So from a founder perspective or a business owner perspective, how do you first attract good talents and how do you retain them? Because I know this is a huge problem nowadays for a lot of startups, a lot of businesses, high attrition ratios, people doesn't stay much. So how do you deal with talent acquisition and retaining acquisition has been um i mean frankly we started with upwork to begin with we found a lot of people through upwork because it's a marketplace for people who kind of do what we do 
um, as we grew up and got bigger, um, word of mouth actually replaced that because we have, you know, we, we do a specific type of thing. We, we are contractors by nature where we kind of parachute in and, and do our thing and, and, um, you know, establish ourselves pretty quickly as somebody's go-to resource for QA. Um, so having somebody who has a contractor background, they typically may know other people that are in the contractor space or have worked with people who are in a company. You know, we have, for example, in the Philippines, where one of our, you know, our big offshore team is, um, a lot of those people previously worked at big companies that are over there, like Accenture and all these other companies. So a lot of people who know people that were there, we've kind of spidered out through there and, and to kind of flows back into your other point, which is retention. I mean, if you treat people like human beings, you do their ideas. I mean, it's not, this is not rocket science stuff. You should be like, oh my God, it's crazy. Like if you treat them like human beings, you value their ideas, you respect them, you don't talk to anybody you build a culture of, of respect across the team and i can't tell you how many companies i've worked at that just didn't get that it's almost akin to like the guy the, the convenience the department store owner that has all the advertising and the sales and all this great stuff and they have all the merchandise and then you walk in and the people that are working there are just rude and, and don't understand customer service talk to people if you foster an environment um where you're nice to your employees and they feel validated with their work and they feel like they can come talk to you. We've had really good luck keeping them around. And also obviously like monetarily, um, I give out bonuses regularly. I don't just do like an end of the year kind of, it's like life is not based off of a 12 year calendar. Like we do projects, we do, you know, day-to-day -day stuff. And if I see people or, or, and I built a culture in where our team will come to me and say, Hey, so-and-so has done a really great job on this project. And like, that's an immediate, like, absolutely. We're not only am I going to reach out to them directly, I'm also going to get them a bonus, I'm gonna, you know, make sure we also have referral bonuses for people who bring in other people from, from their, their network. So um, it's just fostering kind of an environment where people feel comfortable, they feel validated, they feel appreciated. Um, and I know that's not the answer everywhere, but that's what works for us. And um, we've had really, you know, we've had a lot of the same people for years and years and years, and they just enjoy working uh, with us and for us um, because we, we you know, just at the base level of my job, like I said, one of the three things is to protect them. And I'm always going for my guys and I don't let you know, clients talk down to our people. And if I do, then you know, if they do, then they're not our clients anymore. So I try to really make sure that they protect our guys and make sure that they feel appreciated. That's great. And uh, like hats off on the culture part, Jay. Uh, and also on the part that you cannot measure, uh, I mean, in one calendar year, like this is very old fashioned. And for people who like want to also kind of deep dive in this and how to measure, um, I'm reading the book. I should have read it long time back, but I'm reading it now, which is, uh, by John Doerr, which is the OKR book, uh, measure what matters. okay. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so so I advise everyone. Uh, I I knew about it long time back, but just I had the chance to to. I'm reading it. I'm almost done with it. Uh, and you know, in the last chapters, they talk about the culture and how it's important to, you know, put the culture first. Then you do this quarterly, and you know, you do this weekly or biweekly check-ins on on you know whatever objectives you want to put for the team, and you do it in a collaborative way. So. I think, Jay, you, you did fantastic here. 
Thank I would you. say. Thank you. Um, most welcome. Uh, I know that you are a host for a podcast, the first customer, right? And you interview successful founders about their initial customers. Yep. I'm curious. I'm curious to know, like, what are the most valuable lessons you have learned from those conversations? Ah, uh, that's a good one. I think the most important lessons I've learned are everybody's story is different. Everybody has their path. Uh, my path is different. You know, uh, it's very easy as a business owner. You know, when once you've had, you have a little bit of success running a business, people want to know how you do it. People ask you questions, and and it's easy for me to regurgitate my story and my past. Um, but I think the biggest lesson I've learned is just everybody gets to different you know, where they are. You know, and that's not just business; it's everybody, right? Um, and like just their path there, um, is all different. Um, their perspectives are all different. Um, but you know universally valuing people's time uh has kind of been the one thing that i've seen across the the spectrum of good ceos and, and founders is they they respect their, they respect their people's time they respect their clients time um, yeah they, they i think i think those are the biggest lessons yeah i and i think it's a it's an experience by itself uh, i'm i'm learning a ton of information every time right. um i do i do an episode like what, what I'm doing with you today, Jay. So yeah, it's it's a, a huge learning experience. I advise everyone, if you have the time, if you have the passion to, you know, be consistent, to do a podcast. I'm, I'm advising everyone to do this. Now, while preparing for this episode, I spoke something in your profile, Jay, which caught my eyes because I think we are similar, but I want people to hear it from you. Sure. So you, yeah, so, so uh, you are known for the five for five routine. Can you explain what is this routine and how it contributes to your success? Yes. It's something uh, that just developed over time. Uh, you hear the five club or whatever book is a great book and it talks about waking up at 5am and everybody talks about the five. It's really just to get the hours in before anybody else is up. I mean, that's really what it is. You feel like you're, you feel like you're cheating a little bit by stealing a little bit of the day before anybody gets to. The 5 a.m. workup is the first. The workup is the first thing. Working out is the second thing. Um, you know, movement is medicine. You know, I can't tell you how how much better uh, you know, physically and mentally I am when I get my 30 minutes of workout time in every day. Uh, the other thing is a full body stretch. I don't think anybody in my stratosphere really understands or understood how important stretching is. It's a great kind of like pre-meditation move. And so the next thing I do is meditate for, for 10 minutes a day. And then I journal. So that's my five for five. Um, each one of those things I think has different kind of related benefits. And it's just the end of all that. You feel like you've already accomplished, you know, 90% of your day. I mean, what, what can't you do if you can wake up at five? You work out, you do full body stretch, you meditate, you drum. I mean, there's all things that people like strive to do at least like once a once a month, right? So if you do all those things in a day, and, you, and everything else after that is kind of downhill, right? There's there's not much challenge that I can't take on, and uh, yeah, so that's my that's my routine. And of course, I slip every now and again. I mean, we've got a uh, baby who's going to be one years old next next month, of four other kids. So like, there's times that things slip. 
And that is my goal oh. and hit it, you know, just about every day. Um, the reason I, I wanted also people to hear from someone other than me, because everyone calls me the 5 a.m. guy. Of course, I'm, uh, the book itself by Robin Sharma, like, uh, you know, it caught my eyes. I remember a couple of years back when, when I first read it. And I was seeing on social media, a lot of people kind of joking, making like mocking up the book. Oh, you don't need to do this. I don't know. And then I read the book. And exactly what you explained is the concept is it's not like about how long you do it. It's about you break your habits and then you wake up before everyone else. And then you know what? Like I can tell you from my experience. I wake up actually at 4.30 mm -hmm. and then, you know, I need to prepare because also the book explains, I advise everyone to read the book because you need to prepare your kid, you need to prepare yourself. So by the time it's like almost five, I do, of course, Robin explained it in 20, 20, 20, so 20, 20 minutes, but he said like you can mix and match actually. So basically what I right. do, I go for, I go for a 40 minutes while I have uh, like calm music or like sometimes book, if I'm jogging, you know, ebook. Uh, sorry, yeah, ebook, uh, uh, um, yeah, you know, like uh, to 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 do this one, and then meditation, and then you know the the, the journaling part. Mm -hmm. I can't explain how much this was beneficial for me, and you know the the feeling when it's like nine, and you look what you have accomplished already in the day because it's been like four hours now yeah. since you woke up. I say okay. My day is almost done. And you know what? Like, even the book mentioned this. It's okay. Like, you can take the rest of the day off if you accomplish what you have to accomplish. Yeah. It's yeah. a life-changing book. It's a lifestyle, I would say. And it's a very healthy one. Like, yeah. uh, I, I lost weight because of it. Uh, I became more active. Actually, I did the jump from corporate to uh, to entrepreneurship because of the book. I can I can claim this. I can guarantee you. Um, we we are almost done, uh, Jay. So just what advice you want to give for young entrepreneurs who want to start? Like what, what you can tell them? Well, first of all, uh, congratulations on making the jump from corporate and congratulations on the 5 a.m. That's a big, it's a big thing. Um, it is life-changing. And my only note about that is that it's also, it also makes you sleep more. It makes right. you it makes you go to bed early and it makes you invest in your sleep you know which is huge so uh young entrepreneurs um don't wait stop waiting for the perfect moment saying i'll have so many friends that you know ask me how to do stuff and they and, and try and i give them advice and i i mean personally i just get frustrated because it's a lot of waiting and it's a lot of well i could do it but it's because of this and it's because of that and i couldn't because my job and like, just stop waiting just do it yeah go go consult take whatever experience you've got going up work going far go, look I've given up work more money than probably anybody should have to give <laughs> you know a platform with my fees that they've taken over the years so i'm not i'm not affiliated like you said with upwork but it is a good platform to get your feet in consulting. Um, find, you know, uh, my my marketing consultant uh, didn't use Upwork. She reached out to a list of like her top 30 or 40 connections and said, hey, I started doing, you know, marketing consulting and I was one of them. And I was like, absolutely. I'd love to, you know, uh, 
did a check maker service and now she's got a thriving business because of it. So uh, you don't have to use Upwork, but don't wait. Just go find something that you have experience in that you're passionate about. Um, and whether it's a business or a product or a service, if it's a product, go start testing it. If it's a service, then start getting clients and start doing stuff pro bono if you want to you know, just get some social proof out there. But uh, number one advice is just don't wait. Yeah. And to add to what you said, Jay, because you mentioned about not to wait, I did the mistake and I waited long enough. Uh, right? So well, you're here now. It's all that matters. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, uh, there's nothing called late, actually. But I'm, again, like, I waited, I waited, I waited. But and then I've, you know, I can say something for the younger generation. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm what they call them, the millennials. <laughs> I'm not Gen Z. So, um, guys, you are lucky because, um, you know, the internet today is different when, when you know, I became young and the mm -hmm. internet was already out. You can test your ideas in no time. I'm seeing people who are like just, it's not like a get rich quick scheme. It's not like this, but I mean, it's test your idea quick scheme. I can't claim this. And you have a lot of places where you can test your ideas, right? So you can go on Twitter, you can go on Reddit, you can go on Product Hunt. There are plenty of places where you can go out and try your ideas. Actually, you can even. Test it with your friends and families and the people right. who are around you. Yeah, so 100% on this point, Jay. Card is a great website. C-A-R-D. Yep. I kind of think landing pages, you can make a million, like, like 10 landing pages for like 10 bucks a year or something. And you can uh, let, oh, it's, good, it's good you mentioned about the landing page. Just yesterday, I came across, you know, Framer. And Framer, now they have an AI-powered uh, landing page generator. And I was, my mind was blown, like, I just wrote like, uh, I gave the prompt and exactly what, if I wanted to design on card on any other landing page platform, exactly what I would do. No code tools are there as well that can help you. Yep. Automation tools are there. Like AI is there as well. So you can do a lot of things. You can just go out, be passionate about what you do and, and go do it. There's no uh, excuse. There's no excuse uh, these days. There's, there's exactly never been a better time in human history uh, mm -hmm. to start a business. So uh, definitely no reason to wait. 100%. Jay, uh, as we come to an end, I have a very famous question. I hope right. that you will like that. <laughs> I hope that you will like it. Um, so the question is, what is the question you wished me to ask you and how you would answer it? Mm. Man, that's a good one. I'm going to have to start asking that on my podcast. Uh, <laughs> what question did I wish you would ask me? Uh, Maybe, um, I mean, you asked a lot of great questions. Um, <laughs> how about, <laughs> I'll, 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 uh, weasel my way out of this one. How about, how could they find out more about JDA QA? Oh, and then, yeah, and, please. <laughs> and then I would say, you know, hit me up on LinkedIn, uh, Jay Agner on LinkedIn, or go to our website, jdaqa.com. How about that for we out of that question? Yeah, that's good. Uh, but by the way, I don't want to upset you, Jay, but what I do usually at the end of the episode, I just say, Jay, how? You know, I know. I I did, well, you asked, you asked what you didn't ask yet. So I told you I, was, I snuck that hard question. 
yeah great so uh, guys don't worry uh, in the episode uh, description you're gonna see the LinkedIn profile of Jay uh, and you can reach out to him uh, and you would see also the website of uh, his uh, company as well um, so Jay thank you very much for joining today I really enjoyed the discussion and uh, it's nice also to talk to fellow podcasters as well like you feel more comfortable yeah, with sure. rather than you know like talking to people who are like not in the podcasting platform so make honestly it made it makes the job much easier for me well, it was very uh, nice for me thank you so much you're awesome uh, oh thank you very much um so as we come to an end for the people who are watching us if you are a first time visitor here please don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you are watching this on youtube you can find you know the title it's over there And if you are listening on your favorite podcasting platform, also don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Not only this, please also tell your friends, your colleagues, your family members. We are trying really to make something different here, bringing knowledge, bringing experience from people in the field, in tech, in technology in general, and in business, uh, and helping people to start their business as well. This is the aim of this show. And uh, if you have any questions, any feedback about this episode or the show in general, also don't hesitate. You can find me on LinkedIn, on Twitter. You can shoot me an email as well. You can find it on the podcast uh, description. And if you are interested to be a guest like Jay today, again, I'm open for that. You can reach out to me. We can arrange for the topic, for the time, and we can make it. And and as I say uh, at at the end of each episode thank you for tuning in and until we meet in a new episode thank you bye bye hit that subscribe button share the show with your tech savvy friends and fellow entrepreneurs and leave us a review on your favorite podcast app your support means the world to us